Good day, everyone, and welcome to our first ever episode of Technically Educated. My name is Ari. And I'm David. We'll get this out of the way now. I'm a lawyer. And I'm a doctor. Well, not that kind of doctor. Yeah, fair, fair. But before anyone gets the wrong idea here, we're going to set this record straight. Everything we plan to discuss on this show is going to be based totally on our opinions and not really so much on our educational and professional backgrounds. Now, there may be moments where we lean a little heavy on policy and some legal mumbo jumbo, but for the most part, we're here for the entertainment. And we hope that all of you enjoy the ride with us. Yay! All right, so our first topic stems from the fact that we had probably one of the biggest tech announcements of the year just this past week. And at this point, you probably clearly know I'm talking about Apple releasing the new iPhone 12 series of phones. We're going to talk about those phones uh, a little bit later in one of our other segments. But I think one of the most interesting parts, one of the most interesting pieces of that announcement is maybe the one actual differentiation between what you're going to get in these new iPhones versus any other phone on the market. And that is the technology that they're calling MagSafe. Now, Ooh, the MagSafe. <laughs> exactly. If you're if you're in the Apple ecosystem or if you've been an Apple fan for for a long time, then you'll recall that Apple released MagSafe as a charging form for their old school computers. Oh, back in my day, we used to have MagSafe. (laughs) Exactly. And so the beauty of it was, is that it connected the power to the device using a magnet. And Mm -hmm. if you ever got that wire or cable pulled, rather than pulling the computer, and trust me, I destroyed two MacBooks by having the, the, the cable pulled. So this was a savior for me when it came out. <laughs> Instead of pulling the computer with it and destroying the computer, it just unplugged it, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And about three or four years ago, with this whole push to USB-C everything, they changed the- Almost everything. <laughs> Almost everything. They changed the power source to the MacBooks to USB-Cs. And so they moved away from the MagSafe, right? Everyone was really excited because USB-C everything but they realized that they lost out on this really great technology. And so Apple here is actually plugging into that nostalgia sense and they've introduced MagSafe or at least the term MagSafe to the iPhones. And what they're doing here, what they've done here is they've basically put magnets on the back of the iPhone. And they're using it for a number of different things. The main thing that they're using for is they've created a MagSafe charger. It, uh-huh. it basically looks like a little Apple puck, or it looks. Uh-huh. It basically looks like a grown-up version or a bigger version of the Apple Watch charger. Um, we all know yes. that Apple likes just making things bigger and then making a new product out of it. We saw that with the iPhone turning into the iPad. We're now seeing that turn into the Apple Watch charger to the MagSafe charger. Right? Same idea, same concept, same mindset. Um, along with that though, in addition to the chargers that you can, they've, they've made attachments, they've made an attachment for a case and they've made an attachable wallet, which I actually think is really cool. And I've actually ordered it for myself for when I'm traveling to kind of have my phone and my wallet in one piece. Um, I know you, I know you think it's a terrible idea. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. OPSEC. Uh, you basically, you have 
all of the big things that you care about in one place. So if one thing gets stolen, everything gets stolen. So your your ID, your cards, your money, and, and your phone and, and, are just And like I gone. said, this to me is more of like a backup thing where if I'm traveling and I actually have my passport in my in my wallet with my main credit cards stowed away in this in the safe in the hotel room. This is kind of one of those having one or two credit cards on me, easy access type of situation. But now I'm straying away from uh, from the idea but the the basis of this is is that this technology this use of magnets on the back of the phone you know apple's mm -hmm. introduced a few things and they're kind of just the examples of what you can do right yeah but what they've also done is they've opened up the opportunity for third-party accessory makers to make some really cool stuff and so sure. a couple of the things that we've just seen so far is that Belkin is made, they've made a, a car holster and they've made some other different mm -hmm. type of charging pads, um, which I think is going to be really cool. But I'm actually more excited about the future of what they're going to be able to accomplish with this. One of those, one of those futures is the discussion of, you know, Apple next year, or maybe the year after that, they're going to get rid of the, uh, the, the, the oh so hated lightning port and make the iPhone completely you mean they're portless. Gonna... They're not gonna give you USB-C. Oh. They're just well, gonna take away the ports. And they're gonna make well, that they're gonna make that MagSafe connector, that singular port to the iPhone that'll allow you to charge it and will mm -hmm. find some way to kind of transfer data in between it. They're already using um, you know, NFC technology to identify what's mm -hmm. being magnetically connected. And so I'm assuming that they're gonna find some way to make some make transferring data happen as well so they don't need any ports. Now, quick question. Of course. Why is it still called the MagSafe? Because there's nothing safe about it. Nostalgia. Okay. That's a that's, that's a, valid, it, I guess. It's really that simple, right? It's it's the idea okay. of the magnets securely uh, connecting the charger, right? The, what they said in the keynote was, is, you know, when we normally put our phones down on a wireless charger, maybe the coils mm -hmm. aren't lined up. And so it's charging at a significantly lower speed or, you know, yep. some of the inconveniences of wireless charging is if you want to use your phone, it, you have to take it off the charger. Well, in this instance, mm -hmm. the magnet clamps on in exactly the right place. You're going to get mm -hmm. the fastest wireless charging available on the iPhone right now. And if you need to, you can pick up the phone and it'll still be magnetically connected. Um, if you pull it, right, I haven't used it yet. Um, so I, I don't have firsthand experience, but if you, mm -hmm. you know, if you kind of yank it, I'm assuming that it yep. will detach from the phone and, and, you know, safely make sure you don't destroy your phone. So I've seen, I've seen some videos, obviously, mm -hmm. like I'm, a sh I'm, I'm certain you have as yep. well. And one of those videos in particular shows that the wallet um, isn't necessarily as strongly connected to the phone as you would want a wallet <laughs> of all things to be connected to the phone. This is, this is so, correct. So once again, I can't really speak to it. Um, YouTubers have their preferences. So I've seen some videos showing it being super strong and, and, and holding on tight. And I've seen some videos where it's kind of loosey goosey and you're kind of questioning, is this a good idea? Is this not a good idea? And mm -hmm. I'll be able to test that myself as soon as you know my items come in. And I might learn on, on day one that I don't actually want to use this wallet and it'll go into a drawer somewhere. I don't really know. But you're still positive about I'm it. I'm still positive you're about still... it. I'm still hopeful okay. for it. But 
you know, so that's 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 area one, right? Maybe replacing the port. That's kind of the big topic of conversation. But then there's just some other cool things that could come about. Um, you know, I tweeted something the other day and I thought it was really funny because a few days after I tweeted it, a really popular uh, YouTuber, who's actually one of my favorites, tweeted a really similar notion. And I guarantee he didn't read mm -hmm. my tweet and put it up there. There's no way he did. <laughs> I was did. gonna say, um, I was gonna the, say. The reason I'm that. pulling it up, I'm, I'm making that statement is because I'm not the only one that's thinking along these lines. And, and what I'm thinking of, of specifically in this notion is that Android phones, um, over the last couple of years have introduced something called reverse wireless charging. Let's just say that you and I are out, you know, in, in a non-pandemic world and we're at a bar sure. and your phone yes. is a little low on juice. And I'm sitting here okay. on an iPhone 12 Pro Max with this big battery in it. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't I share <laughs> some battery power with you? And you could put your phone down on my phone back to back and it would transfer some of my battery power to yours. Right. It's something Android phones have done, like I said, for the last year or two, which is actually really cool. There have been rumors about Apple introducing it, um, not to kind of maybe mainly do a phone by phone, but more specifically, maybe to charge AirPods or something like that. The wireless, uh, you know, charging Air AirPods case. And so mm -hmm. what I was like, you know, this is Apple. I won't be surprised if next month or the month afterwards they introduce a magnetic uh, MagSafe version of the AirPods Pro case that you can attach to the back of your iPhone. And they'll probably do a software update that now allows for wireless uh, reverse charging. And all of a sudden, if your AirPods are running a little low, you can charge it up. So do you think it's, do you think it's solely a software issue at this point? Do you think like that I the hardware can I, do I, it? I don't know. I'm saying it could okay. simply be a software thing. It's likely sure. going to be okay. an iPhone 13 thing. But you know what? <laughs> Which might not be called iPhone 13, considering it might just be iPhone. You know, I think that's that's that yeah. would be really cool too. Um, but once again, that's a conversation for another day. Um, but my, my, the whole thing with MagSafe to me is that it's been introduced as kind of a uh, a way to add accessories to the iPhone, mm -hmm. and I think it's going to be really interesting, and that there's a great amount of opportunities that are available for third-party accessories, as well as Apple to introduce some really cool additions to our phone, and I'm really looking forward to it. Interesting. Do you think that, um, uh, you know, so here's, here's my last question really fast. Um, there's been a lot of uh, talk, at least in, you know, around my friends that are big Google uh, folks, that um you know they're the magsafe can actually charge some it, well, so it uses this the chi standard which is what all other yeah. phones are using so it can mm -hmm. they've shown that it'll charge everything else um and i forgot who it was but i guess there's magnets on the on the back end of the new pixel 5 and, and there's it a attached Samsung. to that too so it's it's apple's yeah. known for their proprietary items but they're making it so that there's certain aspects of it that are proprietary, but it's still going to work with everything else and it's still going to follow that standard. And so I'm going to applaud Apple on that. You know, they're, they're, they're being <laughs> friendly at the table. Um, but I'm, I'm more interested to just see what's going to happen with, with all the different accessories. So should be fun. Now it's time for a, a fun little segment called uh, No Way. 
um, usually when you say no way, it's something, it's a response to something that's just too out there, that's crazy, that couldn't happen. You know, there's no way for it to be real. So we're going to start off with two, with a story and a, and a fun little conspiracy. Take it away. I'm not sure if I'm the story or the conspiracy here, but uh, um, mine's kind of been something that's, that, that, that could be feasible. It, it's possible. Um, this is definitely in the full on like rumor mill and I'm just kind of reading too deep into things. But, uh, you know, a year ago, Apple introduced Apple TV Plus and then it was Apple's homegrown streaming service. And there have been some some great shows that have come on it, um, speaking specifically to Ted Lasso, because that show is just utterly brilliant. Absolutely. I love it so much. But one of the biggest complaints that's come up about Apple TV Plus is that there's not enough content there, right? People are trying to compare it to what Disney released with their entire back catalog, what Netflix has created over the last 15 years, what Hulu has, what Amazon Prime has and whatnot. And Apple is just slowly kind of trying to put it together. They're trying to kind of have very tailored content that they built from scratch that it lives up to that Apple name. Um, but as part of that content conversation, there were there were rumors of discussions that had come up months ago about Apple potentially buying MGM Studios and mm. buying it for the purposes of bringing the Bond films to Apple TV Plus because it would kind of entice people to, to, to join Apple TV Plus. This was before Ted Lasso. Mm. If Ted Lasso doesn't get you over here, nothing. <laughs> um, but but the, the reason I'm talking about this rumor today is during that iPhone 12 release last week, they introduced the iPhone 12 mini, which was their smaller phone. And they did this like fun trick where they just kept opening, you know, suitcases or briefcases inside of briefcases until they opened this tiny one. And it was supposed to be this cute, like, um, look at what we have. This was super duper top okay. secret, but they used the bond theme to unveil it. Now uh -huh. I can't see Apple just arbitrarily paying the licensing fee to utilize the bond theme <laughs> to introduce a product. That, that just seems like a waste of money to me. So I don't know, I'm, I heard it. And the second I heard it, David, I tweeted you or I messaged mm -hmm. you and I was like, mm -hmm. are they buying MGM? Like, what is this? Um, mm -hmm. so, so that's my thing. I, I have a feeling that Apple's making a backdoor deal right now to buy MGM and, you know, for the holidays during this pandemic, we get to watch <laughs> uh, all the James Bond movies. And with that, maybe the one that was supposed to get released earlier this year gets released on Apple TV+. Plus. I, I, love, I love the fact, I love the fact that you just went through all of that and you started by saying you don't know if you're the story or the conspiracy. I still don't know. I, I mean, listen, listen, this is, this is completely, completely just in the realm of like, this is, we're putting two and two together. Um, I mean, wait till your story comes up and I would think yours is the rumor. So who knows? You're sure. the conspiracy. Go for it. Listen. Just go listen. for it. No, just don't, don't keep talking. Just go. Okay. Just go. Okay. So uh, NASA recently has uh, decided to sign a contract um, with the company to create a 4G network on the moon. And I know it sounds, it sa it, I know, it sounds exactly like a bad joke. I mean, the second you just said NASA, I'm like, okay, conspiracy. 
Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But here's the here's the problem. I understand why, because as we're moving forward into space exploration, the moon is the is the first place where you know um, astronauts are gonna are gonna land. The moon is most probably going to be a, a base for the world, um, as, for the Earth as we explore. Um, and I get it, right? Like communication has to happen, and it's important for there to be a structure there. But you know, there are parts of the United States that don't have any coverage. Oh, and and um, yeah, and I was going to say is like if they're going to start putting coverage on the moon, why would they start with 4G when they should be starting with 5G at this point? Like the the, the sub six spectrum of 5G, which would just it's LTE speeds or 4G speeds, but it has the ability to cover more ground. Um, I mean, here's here's my thought. I think that um, it's going to be. I think that it'd be even more difficult to put in something like 5G um, because you know they don't have any they don't have any buildings on which to to plan. Well, you're you're the... talking millimeter you're talking millimeter wave. I'm talking sub six. <laughs> all right. I don't, I, what, if if, I was if you get me into a 5G joking. conversation, we're gonna be talking for the next like five hours. And so I, I was just joking. I, know, I, know. I was just joking. But, but uh, yeah, so you know, no way. Uh, no way to Apple buying MGM. No way to NASA making 4G happen on the moon. I think my mine has a higher probability than yours. Uh, I, you know what I say to no that? Way. No way. <laughs>
Um, yes. And it's not even the fact that you've edited any of the content, but simply the fact that you've hosted the content at all, right? I mean, yeah. there's a lot of stuff on Facebook, and this is probably a conversation we're going to have, you know, in a future date. But there's a lot of stuff on Facebook mm-hmm. that is the epitome of fake news. But Facebook is not held, Evil. Not, Evil. held liable for any of it because it's protected under um, Section 230. Yeah. So the reason why Section 230 came about is because. Um, there were uh, there's a lot of case law, or at least there, there were two cases in particular that basically created precedent that said if you touch this content in any way, in that you take it down or you you leave it up, um, you will be liable for it because you have sort of edited it in such a way. So basically, Section 230 has been around for I'm going to say two decades, around two decades, yeah. So Section 230 has been around for a long time, and it is the reason, it is the fundamental reason why um, the internet is the way it is now. And we have not just, you know, Facebook or Twitter or Reddit, whichever way you sort of like, you, you fall in whether you like them or not. But that's the that's the way that, that's the reason for the internet. As Can I just give it. you a really quick side note? So, I thought this was funny, and I'm sorry to, to distract from the conversation, but you're like, Section 230 has been around for like 20 years, and I'm thinking to myself, like it's been around since like 1980, really? And then I yeah, realized exactly. Yeah. decades, it's 2000. It's, which is, it's always the year so. 2000. It's always the year 2000 <laughs> for everybody. It's been it's been it's been 20 years since the year 2000, but we are still nope. stuck yeah, in that. There. We are um, exactly. So you know, 230 has been has been very important, and you know, there's a, a fantastic book about it um, that I highly recommend by by Jeff Kosef. On, um, on on section 230, and I think it's called the 27 worlds, the words that uh, built the internet. And I'm 100% certain that I mangled the title even though I, I read the book. I mean, I just thought it was funny because for so, a second there, I thought you really meant it was 27 worlds. And I was like, are you trying to tell me that we actually have extraterrestrial life? Like, this is great. Okay. Yes, 100% right. yes. So um, in the past year, and then in the past month, and sadly in the past week, there have been more and more quote unquote reform proposals, mostly from Republicans. But also from Democrats, um, we gotta, we gotta to, put that out there. It, it is both sides of the aisle. Some, yes, some, uh, some are bi- bipartisan in their stupidity, but most of the, uh, most of the reform comes from a, uh, a Republican perspective, primarily because their uh, reasoning is that there is a there is an anti-conservative bias in Silicon Valley, and that these big platforms are quote unquote censoring the the views of uh, of conservatives, of people on the right, of whomever. The, the um, funny part about that is the, that an article just came out that shows that. Mark Zuckerberg was behind this conservative movement at Facebook. They basically changed their algorithms to appease the the the, the conservative base, saying that they were being discriminated mm-hmm. against. So they changed their algorithms to actually bring more of the the right wing uh, conversation to the table, and mm-hmm. it all ended up being propaganda and and, and, and false information. And so of it's utterly comedic to me. It's like. Once again, future conversation, yes. Mark Zuckerberg only cares about money and it's disgusting. Very true. Um, but specifically here, 
not only was that the case, but now if you look at the the, the top 10 engage, engagement posts on Facebook, it is almost always at least nine out of 10, if not all of them, um, right-wing media personalities or right-wing um, websites or newspapers. So the idea that you know, that there's an anti-conservative bias in, in Silicon Valley is laughable. But even if that were true, let's assume for a second that all of the all of the nonsense about shadow banning and about uh, censoring and all that stuff, let's assume all of that is true. The way in which um, mostly uh, Republicans are going about it by trying to change fundamentally this important law, Section 230, is in is so, so hilariously misguided. They are basically, basically what they're trying to say is, um, you need to be responsible either for everything that's on the platform or worse, in worst cases, they're saying these platforms should not be allowed to take down anything. They shouldn't be allowed to take down anything that's quote unquote. Which is hilarious speech. on a multiple different on, on multiple different parts. Point number one is going to yeah. be, um, you know, if I've got to keep everything up there. First of all, these are private enterprises, right? The, the First <laughs> Amendment does not. They apply can do to whatever they companies. want. So the right to free they speech. They can do whatever they want. Exist, um, right? Number two, this this whole notion of of this conservative bias is is just laughable. Right. It's it. it sure. It's, no, I don't. Very much so. I don't completely understand it. It's like they're they're there. They're they're pretty loud. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that 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 loud very voice so. has led to a lot of major, major issues or major concerns. Um, but then at the same token, they're like, well, we we want to make it so that you're held responsible for everything. But at the same time, these are the same people that are trying to take your privacy away. They're trying to take away your ability to encrypt conversations back and forth. So mm -hmm. if you listen to both sides of their conversation, they, they're, they're actually competing with one another. It's you should be able to have yep. absolutely everything on there, regardless of how fake or how true it actually is. Right. Or <laughs> you shouldn't have anything there at all. But if we just yep. kind of leave it as a completely open platform, which is what it used to be. Right. The quote unquote algorithm shut out the conservative speak. And so they felt as though they were being pigeonholed. Yeah. You take that away, and it's a, it's it's kind of that idea. Like you're you're trying to convince a toddler of of you know mm -hmm. why they need to use a, a proper cutlery to eat their um, to eat their food, and they they're just, they're just not going to yeah. listen. They're going to make a mess, and then they're going to it's it's yours to clean up. And that's what it feels like in this situation. You've got too many archaic what's like policymakers. Right. I don't know what the average mm -hmm. age of Washington DC is, but it's significantly higher than um, Silicon Valley. And the yeah. reason I bring that up is you've got these age old legislators trying to mm -hmm. put certain laws in place to guide technologies that they don't understand in any way, any way shape or form. Sure. Now, I don't want to I, I don't want us to be, you know, ageist, but there is a there there's something to be said about the fact that like I don't understand I, how yeah, TikTok I, works. I, I, so if you want to talk about ageism, I'm, the technology itself just it, it 
it grows at such a fast pace that if you're not 100% uh -huh. in it from the beginning, it's difficult to kind of, you know, keep pace with it. And so I'm sure. saying that, that you know, sure. these policymakers who may not technically be old, but their education mm -hmm. is on older ideas or older platforms, it makes it difficult because sure. they don't have that immediate relationship with Silicon Valley, with the exception of the fact that Mark Zuckerberg is in bed with anybody that helps mm -hmm. him make money. The, the the constant piece of this entire show as we go through it will be how much I dislike Mark Zuckerberg. That's perfectly fair. What I would say though is that you don't have to have, you don't even have to have such a, an intimate knowledge of the technology as long as you're not a, uh, a, a craven hypocrite, as long as you're not a, a, a person that goes against your stated um, perspective. Um, and, you know, if you were truly a, a constitutional conservative or a, or a you know, a, a free speech uh, fighter or whatever, whichever way that most conservatives like to, uh, conservatives in the legislature, in the legislative bodies, in the United States love to like identify themselves as you would not try to either a force a private company to do something or b try to force uh, a private company to not do anything and, at all. Um, and, and I'm just going to yeah. finish off the segment by saying the preface that you just made for what would be required mm -hmm. basically goes against the essence of a good majority of politicians across the board. So I, I just <laughs> I just don't see it happening. But I feel as though Section 230 is a conversation topic that you and I are going to have um, come back and forth. Oh, it's going to stay forever. All, all over the place. But uh, yeah. All right. So this is our final segment of the week. We call it Tech of the Week. Um, this is just going through a few minutes to kind of talk about some new tech that may have come out. And we're going to close out today's show the same way that we started it. And that's the conversation about the new iPhones that just came out. Yay. Apple introduced four new iPhones this time around. That's uh, one more than last year and mm -hmm. three more than what they started with in 2007. So they've given us a, you know, the, the, their baseline iPhone 12, which is uh -huh. almost identical to their iPhone 12 Pro. They've given us the little baby version of the iPhone called the iPhone 12 mini, which I think is going to be really cool to see in real life. And then they've given us the that's tiny full on beast mode of iPhone 12 Pro Max. Um, Apple's naming schemes are obviously hilarious, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, the mini, the max and the pro. Exactly. What, what's the good, the bad and the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> What's come with these is basically a, 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 a redesign, right? I don't mm -hmm. want to say it's a brand new design because they kind of harken back to the good old days of the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 5, which... And we saw this in the, in the and, iPad. And the well. iPad Pro as of 2018 kind of brought this idea back. And what they did was they took the rounded edges of the current iPhone and they just kind of flattened them. Right? Which is great. I think it looks utterly fantastic. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm super stoked to have, uh, you know, mine come in on Friday. I'm, I'm really excited about it. 
I am. I was. I was so bummed when they moved away from that yeah. design. Yep. I thought it was the bee's knees, and I still it's, do. It, it still is. I still have mine sitting in a drawer somewhere, and I love it. Yeah, um, it's pretty great. You know, the other things that kind of came along with it is they brought uh, OLED panels across the board. Um, mm -hmm. That's just a, a, a better screen technology in the sense of deeper blacks, higher contrast, so it works a little bit better. But they didn't call them OLED, did they? They did. Oh, they call, they it, call it. They call it their. I don't remember what they call it. They have some fancy yeah, they, Apple name to it. They have an Apple name for it. Yeah, they have an Apple <laughs> name for everything. But it's an OLED screen, okay? It's the screen you're getting across pretty much every other um, uh, OEM or manufacturer on, on Android side of things. Um, the big thing that they kept talking about was 5G, and cool. Well, I, I'm living. Yeah. I'm living on Wi-Fi. I haven't left my house in eight months. I'm not really excited about you know the uh, the wireless antennas that are in there. But hopefully, by the time we're out of this pandemic, all of the the carriers, both inside the United States and outside of the United States, have fully deployed their 5G networks, and we can take full advantage of it. But right now, it just seemed like a huge marketing scheme, which is oh, yeah. once again kind of comedic. Um, but who knows? It'll it'll come faster than normal. Um, Apple generally waits a little bit longer to introduce these types of technologies. You saw that with LTE and 4G and even 3G um, back in 2008. Um, I think this year they they had to maybe introduce it a little bit earlier because they're using Qualcomm chips and Qualcomm's modems this year required you to have 5G. So there was, there was probably a push and a pull right there. Um, it'll it'll be nice when it's you know fully functional. For now, cool, it's there. Yeah. You know, I'm not really yeah. I'm not really worried about it. Um, it's funny that it's funny that such a big part of the presentation was on something that like most people aren't gonna actually use yep, or experience right for a while. It, yeah. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. They always say it's not a real technology until Apple puts it in. And the reason that that is, <laughs> the reason is that that is is that the quantity of iPhones that Apple sells every single year actually you know, allows for mm -hmm. the need in the marketplace, right? I'm not saying that Samsung or Google or some other company hasn't done it first, but they haven't yeah. brought it to the mass market. And Apple actually has the ability to pull that off. And that's where technologies start to change. And that's where you start to see people really go, you know, full force into it. So that should be exciting. Um, and then, you know, the other big change that came about was they, they slightly improved the cameras on the Pro the regular and the mini and then they, LiDAR. they gave us on the pro max they gave us a lidar sensor they gave us a a larger main sensor and they changed the way that they did the optical stabilization so i'm super duper stoked for that one to come in that that doesn't deliver until uh the middle of november they they split up the pre-orders this time and so mm -hmm. i gotta wait a little bit longer to test that one out and, and, and play with it but i'm um, I'm excited to uh, to play with that. I'm excited for when you and I can actually get to hang out and, and, and you get to take pictures with it because we both yeah. know that you're the better photographer out of the two of us. Um, That's fair. <laughs> um, but but those are kind of it, right? The, the iPhone it's, had a, has a lot going for it, right? If you're ready to upgrade your phone, nice I think it's phone. fantastic. I'm the type of person I upgrade my phone every single year and I do it okay. because I like the little upgrades, but also, I love the tiny upgrades to the cameras, right? You're, That's true. You're, generally speaking, your phone is the only camera you have on you, and I'm never going to be able to go back in time to take that picture again. So I'm, I'm going to want to okay. be able to take the best picture I can. Of course. You know, on the flip side, th they always do uh, say that the best camera that you have available 
I mean, the best camera that you can have is the one that you have available to you. Yeah, and I just want to yeah. make sure that I've got the best available camera. So, of course, on the flip side, you know, I think the, that the iPhone 12 is an amazing piece of hardware and software. Um, and I think it's fantastic. But like a lot of people, I, uh, you know, upgrade not as frequently as you do, mostly every two years, sometimes every three. Um, so I'm going to say it's great. It's fantastic. Can't wait to play with it in, uh, you know, with somebody else's iPhone. And, and I completely agree with that notion. I am a hundred percent on board with that idea of every two to three years. These, I was talking to a buddy earlier today. He's, he's on year five of his iPhone and he doesn't want to get a new one because he doesn't feel the need to, because it's working so well for him. Right. It's a great and machine. You know what? The longer these last, the, the better it is. I'm completely on board. Mm -hmm. I love tech. It's one of the reasons we do this podcast. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I don't upgrade everything all the time, but my phone, I happen to do so. And I'm excited about this one. It'll be good. We're almost out of time. So there's a lot of things that happened this week um, and, you know, we can't cover it in our uh, short podcast. So let's talk about, uh, before we say goodbye, let's talk about uh, something that we didn't have time to cover. Yeah, so I, I think this one's really interesting. It's right before the elections out here and the Department of Justice just sued Google for anti-competitive behavior. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of stuff going back and forth between uh the U.S. government and Google, Apple, Facebook, and, and Amazon. And so this one's the first one that they're coming after. Um, a lot of their their uh, their arguments sound really similar to uh, when they Microsoft. sued Microsoft back in the 90s, which uh, DOJ ended up not winning. So it, it it's it's interesting. There's a lot there. Um, it's yeah, just, the, begin it's just it. the beginning of this ride, but it's going to be fun to watch. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watch, watching this one play itself out. Yeah. I have, a, I have a much shorter one, um, which is very apropos, because Quibi, the entertainment service that um, tried to give us a video in a Quibi. Um, Quibi what being that a mean? quick bite. Yes, that means a quick bite um, has folded. So RIP Quibi, um, it was nice while it lasted. I had fun watching a couple of their sh of their shows, but obviously not enough people did. It was just plagued with so much mismanagement from the fact that you couldn't you couldn't screenshot and uh, post on social media. There was no way to sort of link to internal um, uh, to the internal app right on your phone. It was all, it was mobile only, um, and beyond all of that, the fact that they. Uh, launched a service that was specifically for people that were going to be, you know, watching small pieces of entertainment on their commute right before the global pandemic that just shut almost everything down and most people had to be at home um, is just hilarious. So RIP Quibi. Did your segment on Quibi last longer than the service itself? Yes. Yes, it lasted longer than a Quibi and longer than the Quibi. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, 